cue the fancy intro music. I'm Lisa Robin Young, and this is Creative Freedom, empowerment for creative entrepreneurs, where can-do inspiration and how-to education collide to help you own your dreams without selling your soul. Creative Freedom helps you to find success on your own terms and build a profitable, sustainable business doing what you love. So whether you watch the web series, the live Q&A, or are just joining us through the podcast, welcome. I'm excited you're here. I am not a runner. Dance is my kind of exercise. I used to think marathon runners were nuts. I mean, running 26 miles on purpose? Yeah, I didn't get it. I'm not so cynical anymore. And I know that there are lots of benefits to running a marathon that actually have nothing to do with the running itself. But I still don't want to do it. I ran once, checked it off my bucket list and vowed to never speak of it again. But here we are. (laughs) Many moons ago, one of the items on my bucket list was to run and finish the Bobby Krim 10-mile road race. It's a big deal in Flint, my hometown. Downtown is essentially shut down for most of the day because it's actually a festival of races. And the 10-mile is the jewel in the crown. It's an international event and a pre-qualifier for several other races like the Boston Marathon. People come from all over, and the streets of Flint, Michigan are flooded with people. As a kid, I helped out at the water station near my aunt's house about halfway through the course. She lived on the downhill side of the toughest part of the run, the Bradley Hills. Year after year, I was amazed by thousands of runners grabbing these little cups of water out of my hands. Sometimes they were crying as they splashed their faces and continued on their way to the finish line. I call me crazy. Okay, Lisa, you're kind of crazy. But I thought it would be cool to be on the other side of the Dixie Cup once in my life. And that's how it got on my bucket list. (laughs) Careful what you wish for. I learned a lot on that run. And what I learned is going to teach you a thing or two today about overwhelm. Ah, overwhelm. Hmm. It happens to the best of us. And while chaotics and fusion creatives tend to battle it a little more frequently, when overwhelm strikes, it can stymie even the most organized linear. When I asked members of my accountability club what kind of issues they'd like to see me tackle on this show, the number one response I got was how to keep moving when you feel overwhelmed. So never let it be said that I've ignored my own community. (laughs) Ask and you shall receive. So today I'm sharing my three best tips for keeping your momentum when you feel overwhelmed. And to do that, we're going to talk about one of my least favorite topics in the world, running. That's right. Lisa ran and no one was chasing me. (laughs) Well, okay. I ran and I walked and it was awful, (laughs) but I finished. And there are some parallels between running a race and dealing with overwhelm that I think illustrate this week's lesson nicely. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Here are three ways to keep momentum going when you're feeling overwhelmed. Number one, know your finish line and celebrate it. So imagine for a moment that everybody's lined up at the start, waiting for the signal. And then bang, the starter pistol fires and everyone starts running. Now, some people are quick and they can hammer those 10 miles out in under an hour. Those 
those marathon runners and those sprinters, they're intense. But the reason they can do it is because they know where the finish line is. Right. I mean, that sounds obvious, but they know where the finish line is. The race starts and there's this blue line painted on the streets of Flint that tells the runners where the course is. As long as they follow the blue line, they're going to eventually make it to the finish. Some will move fast. Some will move slow. But eventually everyone makes it to the finish. But what if they didn't know where the finish line was? What if there was no blue line for them to follow? Even the fastest runners in the world wouldn't know if or when they'd hit the mark and they just keep running (laughs) until they fell in a heap or something. Now, how would you feel if you started running and never saw an end in sight? Tired? Defeated? Or mm, overwhelmed, perhaps? That's why it's important to define success as clearly as possible before you set out on your journey. Know where your finish line is. And then take time to celebrate it when you get there. (laughs) This type of overwhelm seems to affect fusions more than anyone else, though linears can also experience it on rare occasions. All too often, fusions and linears just start checking off items on their to-do list and they just keep checking them off. I got that done. What's next? I got that done. What's next? What's next? What's next? They don't stop for anyone or anything, let alone taking a break. That's a huge mistake. Now, chaotics are much more likely to take periodic breaks during their work time. And even during the course of the project, one chaotic I know intentionally scheduled a month off between the first and second attempts to edit a book she was working on. Could she have finished the project sooner without the break? perhaps, but her focus and energy levels wouldn't have been the same. Plus, that time away gave her some forgetting time, which made the book feel fresh on her second read-through. Fusions and linears can take a cue from their chaotic counterparts here by planning rest periods into their work schedule. Whether it's a short 10-minute break before switching tasks or a week-long hiatus after completing a big project launch, it's important to give yourself room to decompress and debrief when a project is complete. Runners don't typically cross the finish line and then head across town to run another marathon. That sounds like it would be painful. Instead, they take time to recharge, to fuel up, to review their race notes for any lessons learned. Now, I get it. In early struggle, it can feel really important or even necessary to just keep going as if you're some kind of energizer bunny or something. But the reality is that you need to know where your finish line is so that you can actually finish and give yourself time to recover, review, and regroup before you start your next race. Number two, focus on just the next step. Now, running the crim was on my bucket list when I was a kid. It didn't sound like it would be hard to run 10 miles. (laughs) But of course, I was a kid. And what did I know, right? By the time I finally ran that race in 2001, I knew better. I I didn't know anything about training for an endurance run. I knew I needed to practice running. And I knew I needed good shoes. But beyond that, I was pretty much clueless. Uh, My first mile in this race on race day was pretty good, actually. I ran it in about 12 minutes. Now, I'm not going to qualify for any Olympic events 
with that time. But a 12 minute mile for an out of shape 26 year old felt pretty good to me. But the next few miles <laughs> were torture. Mm. And then came the Bradley Hill. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Bradley Street is about halfway through the race. Now, some people compare it to the Heartbreak Hill in the Boston Marathon. It's the toughest part of this course. You go up, up, up these hills, and it feels like forever before you're coming down on the other side. Your legs are burning. They're like jello. They just hurt. And you're just like, ah, no, make it stop. Now, the funny thing is, my aunt lives uh, on the downhill side of the Bradley Hills route. So I watched people on this race for years before I ever did it myself. I helped man that water station on the hills when I was a kid, and I never understood why so many people were crying by the time they got to the water station until I ran those hills myself. <laughs> now, in truth, I didn't run them. <laughs> I couldn't. I maybe I walked, maybe trotted a little, maybe. <laughs> I just remember how much my legs burned. My quads were shaking. Like I was, oh, it was just so painful. And by the time I got to the downhill side, the water station was vacant. <laughs> There was nobody there. There was no water. There was nothing. Now I knew why they were all crying because that stuff burns and you need that water to just kind of make you feel a little maybe better, maybe. <laughs> and there was none. So here I am a little bit more than halfway through the race and I still got about four miles to go. There is no turning around at this point. There's no cutting out and quitting because I still got to take all that mileage back to the starting line where my car is. I've got to keep moving. I got to get there somehow, right? Well, this is where Confucius's famous words come into play. Confucius says, and I tell my clients this pretty regularly, it doesn't matter how slow you go, so long as you keep moving. So this girl just kept picking up one foot and putting it down, then picking up the other foot and putting it down. I'd run when I could, stand under a garden hose shower when they were available, and just keep walking, keep moving, whatever it took. Now, I wasn't the last person to finish, <laughs> but I was the last person in my age group, which you know, made it easy to find me in the rankings, right? A little more than two and a half hours after I started, I had followed that little blue line across town, up and down the Bradley Hills, all the way to the finish line, one step at a time. So much for that 12 minute mile. Overall, I finished 6,172nd out of 6,196 runners. <laughs> oh, but I finished. Dang it, I finished. <laughs> you better believe I took time off before my next run. It's been about, what, 17 years now? <laughs> and I'm thinking I'll be ready for my next run in about three more years. <laughs> Maybe not. But it's easy to get overwhelmed when we look at the 10-mile slog that lays in front of us. Even if we break it down into smaller chunks, which is what conventional wisdom will tell you to do, we can still get overwhelmed at the smaller chunk. Like the Bradley Hills are a smaller chunk of the crim. And it doesn't take a genius to tell you that the uphill side is harder than the downhill side. But you have to do the uphill side first, so how do you get through that? 
one step at a time. Elevate, breathe, and step again. Step up, breathe, step again. Focus on your own feet. Move yourself and let everyone else worry about themselves while you keep doing what you know how to do. One teeny tiny step at a time if that's what it takes. And if you don't know what step to take, this next tip is for you. Number three, ask for help and actually receive it. Uh, This is something we talked about last week with under earning, not receiving what's being offered to you. Now, there were a couple of times along the course when someone would come alongside me and want to run with me. The first time, you know, before I got to the Bradley Hills, I said, oh, no, thanks. I got this. That was less about me being arrogant and more about me being ignorant, just not knowing runner etiquette or how to run as part of a team. So what does it mean to run as part of a team? Well, you're actually running a different kind of race. As a kid, I'd watch the Marines run as a unit coming down the Bradley Hills. Like one dude was even carrying the flag, and I thought that was pretty stupid. I mean, they weren't going to win carrying all that extra weight with them. And what if somebody in the group wanted to run faster? Well, they couldn't because they were running as a group, which meant they were never going to win the crim. Clearly, I didn't get it as a kid, right? This is also why I am such an advocate of defining success on your own terms now. Those Marines weren't trying to win the crim. They were winning a different race. One about pride and endurance as a team. No one left behind in that ideal. Like they define success differently on their own terms. Their finish line wasn't the same as everyone else running that race. Oh, sure, they were all going to get down that blue line to the place marked finish eventually, like every other runner. But their definition of winning looked mighty different than the solo runners that kept blowing past them on the course. But I digress. Here I am, finally past the Bradley Hills, huffing and puffing and panting and sweating and groaning and aching and all that stuff. I've moved into the swanky part of Flint, And this older woman catches up to me. Now, she looks like she knows what she's doing. She's clearly pacing herself. She's decked out with runner's goo and water. Like, she's like a pro runner person, right? She offers to run together toward the finish line. You know, do you want to run with me? We'll we'll stay together. And I'm like, I'm uh, okay. By this point, I'm just glad I'm not the last person on the course. So yeah, I happily take her up on her offer, even though I don't exactly know what that even means. Like, what does it mean for me to run with somebody else? I don't, I, do I just stand beside, like, how does that work? Well, it meant that she slowed down for me sometimes, and I sped up for her at other times. We paced each other. We kept each other encouraged and moving forward. At one point on the course, I needed to pee (laughs) desperately. I know this is probably a little TMI, but this is important. Okay. She kept recommending that I just release my bladder and just let it run down my leg like the other runners do. And I'm like, oh, runners do that. I can't. mm, No, I just could not bring myself to do it. I I didn't believe her at first. And then I didn't want to have the the smell. Like I didn't want that following me for the rest of the race. I was just like, "Mm, no, I can't do this. Finally, about a mile from the finish, I just, I just could not, I could not hold my bladder any longer. And somebody had set up an overhead sprinkler 
that was showering the runners. So we had this kind of like run through shower thing going on. Now, I didn't want to hold her up anymore. So I'm like, you go on, go on without me. Go on ahead. It's fine. I'm going to stand here for a couple of minutes and just whoo, like deal with this, right? I was going to stand under the water for a minute, do my business and at least rinse off <laughs> while I was there so I didn't have to take the smile the rest of the miles, right? Um, so she waited for me. Which I'm like, why? You don't need to. It's okay, really. Go on. And I added at least two minutes to her time. But my bladder, my bladder and I were so grateful. <laughs> so grateful for that time. And it was nice that she waited for me. And I didn't realize then, but I can see it now. Like, that's part of what it means to be on a team. And I felt that final win kick in. So we were able to book it and run that last mile together to the finish line. Now, again, we did not finish at the top of the pack. Okay, but we finished and we finished together and she let me cross the finish line before her. That was really nice for her. <laughs> now, I was an ignorant mess. Okay, trying to do something I had never done before, something I only kind of sort of had an idea about how to do. Now, if that doesn't sound like being an entrepreneur, I don't know what does. All too often we go in flying by the seat of our pants, trying to build the plane as we go, so to speak. And when someone comes along to offer help, it behooves us to at least consider that help instead of just brushing them off with a, no, that's all right, bro, I got it. I'm good. Thanks. And if we need that help, we need to be prepared to accept that help in the way that it shows up. We can't always be picky or demanding about it. On the other hand, if you're hiring help, you do get to be a bit more choosy because, well, you're paying for that help. But you still have to comply with labor laws and the like when you're paying for help. So my guess is that you've got a lot on your plate in all this overwhelm for which you could ask for help and either haven't yet or you won't. Creative entrepreneurs, especially those in early struggle, tend to hold on to too many tasks that they could easily let go of. Now, why? Sometimes it's about money, right? Like, oh, I can't afford it. But if you're resourceful enough, oftentimes you can find support for that, right? Sometimes it's a control issue. Chaotics want everything to measure up to their exacting high standards of excellence. Ooh, their finish line is bedazzled with costly jewels and decked out with hen-painted periwinkles made from an ancient paint that takes 60 years to cure. And each paintbrush is made by hand from unicorn hair. And if it doesn't look and feel exactly that way, forget it, you fired. Linears can run people over with deadlines and bottom lines, choking everybody with their get it done no matter what attitude and hurting feelings along the way. Fusions just think they can do everything faster and better if they just do it themselves. And a lot of times they actually can, but that's not doing them any favors, right? Now, sometimes it's a fear issue. What if I delegate this to someone and they screw up? What if they drop the ball or oh, it falls through the cracks? I mean, can I really trust someone else to do this well as well as I can? Like, what if I, what if I delegate the wrong thing? What if, what if I delegate this and then they bail on me and I have to train somebody else or hire somebody else? Oh, Calgon, take me away. Listen. Until you can let even one or two things go and put them on someone else's plate, even temporarily, 
you're stuck doing all the things. As your business grows, there are simply more and more things to do. Businesses get more complicated as they grow. Until you uncomplicate and streamline either through delegation or deletion, that's not going to be a healthy way to live and work. In fact, I'd bet you find yourself always working and not living much, if at all. Now, delegation doesn't have to be to another person. One guy I know has one of those floor cleaning robots that zooms around his joint cleaning the floors while he's, you know, working in another room. You can delegate by automating or by passing it off to another person or by deleting it altogether because it doesn't have to be done. And delegation doesn't have to be permanent either. Do what works for you at the stage of business that you're in right now. And then when things change, be willing to make changes. When I was first starting out in direct sales, I hired my kid to put stickers on my catalogs. I paid him with pizza, right? So it was like, hey, put some stickers on these catalogs, put them on these pages. Like, here's the model, follow the model, put these stickers on these pages. And when you're all done, I will buy you your favorite pizza. Then as my team grew, I didn't have my kid do it because he was like, mom, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, fine, whatever. But I'd invite my team over and have sticker parties. I'd make one catalog as a model with all the stickers on the pages I wanted them to be on. And then I would provide stickers for all of them if they would do a few catalogs for me while they were doing theirs. So it cost less than pizza. (laughs) And I'd have a season's worth of catalogs done in a couple of hours. Plus, I got to train my team and connect with them while they were there. So multitasking and delegating at its finest. When my team was putting the stickers on, I would be doing spot coaching or I'd be working on other areas of my business, like making calls. Stickers were important because they actually helped increase sales, but they didn't have to be done by me. And that's something you really need to think through. Just because it's important to the business doesn't mean it has to be done by you. And just because you're good at it doesn't mean you're the one that needs to be doing it. All it takes is a little bit of awareness and realize that some things should not be delegated, at least not until you got a handle on them. And it's easier to delegate things that have systems or processes attached to them so that somebody else can follow along and get it done according to your specifications. My process for stickers was easy. I'm like, here's a sample, just copy it and you are all set. Just do exactly, put the pages and the stickers on the same page and we're good right? It didn't matter if the stickers were a little crooked or not in exactly the right place. As long as they were on the right pages in approximately the right areas without covering up any important product details, we were good to go. The world would not end if a sticker was squeehawed. So chaotics, this is your chance to make sure that they follow your exacting details to the letter. Write it all down. Step one, collect unicorn hair. Attach to stick and shape into brush. Step two, select ancient paint. You know, all the details. <laughs> Mark it all down and then give it to somebody to follow. If they can replicate your process, you're in business. If you get halfway through your process and you want to pull your hair out, then maybe you should lower your expectations a little bit and maybe cut some people some slack. But, you know, maybe not. It's your business and you get to define success on your terms. That's what we're all about here at Creative Freedom, right? Defining success on your own terms. 
Just realize that the more you ask of others, the more resources it will cost you. Now, resources, okay, not necessarily money, time, energy, money, attention, resources. These are precious commodities in life and in your creative work. Make sure you're getting the best possible return on your investment for where you are in your business right now, okay? Because that changes as our businesses change. Champagne wishes and Kool-Aid money don't make it easy to have the best of the best of everything. You might have to compromise temporarily on some things while you grow your business revenues to afford your finer tastes. Be willing to let go of a few things so that you can have the things that are really important to you. Getting out of overwhelm begins by first being aware that you're experiencing it and then making a commitment to yourself to not keep putting yourself in that spot intentionally. Like, you know, sometimes it happens. Everything just kind of comes due all at once and it's not our fault. Like, I get that. But if you're doing it regularly, something's up. Know your finish line. Say yes to less so you have more breathing room in your calendar. Focus on just the next step to minimize distractions and ask for help and be willing to accept it when it shows up. If you need help getting help, my accountability club is a great place to start. We are a cozy group of creative entrepreneurs showing up for each other on the entrepreneurial journey. You can celebrate your wins, ask questions when you get stuck, and be seen and heard by a group of smart, savvy entrepreneurs who get you because they've been where you are and see the possibilities of where you are going. You can learn more about A-Club at lisarobinyoung.com forward slash A-Club, A-C-L-U-B. So here's your task for the week. Make some decisions about how, when, and what you'll delegate from your life or your business. Sometimes it's easier for us to ask for help on the home front, and there ain't no shame in that. Just remember to use that freed up time to your advantage. In the member area this week, you'll find a delegation worksheet with prompts to help you make some decisions about where and how you can get help. Not a member yet? Well, what are you waiting for? It's free, yo. When you join, you'll also get access to the show transcripts and the other bonuses that are only available to members of our Rising Tide And so concludes this episode of the Creative Freedom Podcast. For you visual types, our next video drops in a couple of days. If you like it live, join us for our Q&A about navigating overwhelm on my Facebook page at the end of the week. If you liked this episode, subscribe, leave a review, and share us around with your friends. Sharing is caring, man. Next week, we'll look at how to say no with class and authenticity so that you can stop working for free and break the cycle of overwhelm and under-earning. I hope you'll join us next time. And until then, for more inspiration and education to help you own your dreams without selling your soul, come see what's shaken over at lisarobinyoung.com. You know you want to. 